Good afternoon. Anybody excited about the Word this morning? Come on, who needs a fresh Word for the new year? Who wants to start? Come on, man, we need to get a little more excited. We, we want a fresh start. It's new beginning time, amen? Here's the quote. Here's the quote that we want to start with. If you want to be known for something other than what you're known for now, you have to do something other than what you've done. Father, we just ask you right now to prepare, God, the speaker and the hearer. God, we thank you that your word does not return void. Father, we ask you, God, that you would convict the comfortable, God, and that you would comfort the convicted in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's January 1st. The Mayans said we wouldn't see it. It's new beginning time. It's new resolutions time. It's fresh start season. It's do-over season. It's time to get it right time. It's time to try again time. It's this time it's going to be different time. But listen, tweet this. We cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we use to create them. Come on, I thought that heavy. My focus this morning, and I borrowed this from Apple. It happens to be their old marketing campaign. It's simply this. Think different. Think different. Amen? Go home. Listen, if there's one thing, don't get so happy about that, man. If there's one thing I want to impress on you, if there's one thing I want to instill this morning, one thing that I want to encourage you all to do throughout this year is to start thinking differently. Trust me, this is revelation stuff right here. It may sound really simple, but if we start to think differently, things would, will change. Listen, you, you can come and, and make your New Year's resolutions all over again this year. I'm going to be smaller. I'm going to be bigger. I'm going to be buffer. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be forgiving. I'm going to be successful. I'm going to be a millionaire. But until you start to think differently, we'll be right here next year. Ten pounds heavier, a gym membership that you only pay for. You're going to realize that before the end of January, you're grumpy again. You still haven't forgiven that person. Why? Because you still use them as an excuse for your bad behavior. You're more in debt than you were last year because you're still living above your means to try to make yourself feel better or to impress people. Family, we have to think differently. Amen? Instead of making New Year's resolutions, let's make daily resolutions. I I, I sent this to my leaders recently, and so so when you hear it, just go ooh and ah like it's the first time. Amen? 
But it was from an article that, that really impacted me. It was entitled, Great Leaders Resolve to Be Great Leaders. And so here are some, some resolutions from great leaders. And, and, and be, listen, I see you all as great leaders. Amen? We're not, we're not here to, like, to build a church of followers. We're here to build a, a, a body of leaders. Anybody a leader here? You know, a leader is not a title or a name badge or a business card. Anyway, let's not get into that. Here's some resolutions. I resolve, and these are daily. Daily we got to do this. Because, I mean, you know, by the end of the week, right? By the end of January, everything's gone. You're like, oh, I'm fat again. Who cares? Whatever. Maybe next year I'll, you know. No! Daily resolutions. Here they are. I resolve to never compromise my character in search of progress or prosperity. Listen, character takes a lifetime to build and one bad decision to destroy. I resolve to consistently walk by faith. Church, if you're not walking in faith, what what does that mean, walking? That means taking steps out in faith, man. Listen, I don't even see nothing there, but I'm going to step onto it because I trust God's going to lead me. If we're not, if we're not walking in faith, then, then this walk becomes really boring and really dull. Why? Because we're still crawling, Google gagaing in Christ. And, and, and that's a boring, why? Because you got big long legs and you're still crawling with a little blankie. But when you step out in faith, this walk becomes alive. It becomes amazing. Like, like what, God? You think I can start a business? Yeah, I'm going to, God, I'm going to trust you to start a business this year. I don't see it, but I'm stepping out. And then when God puts something under your foot, it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> this thing is real. This isn't a church Sunday thing. This is my life thing. And, and, and it's, all right. I resolve to pray earnestly before I make major decisions. Before is the key word. You know how many times, how many of you have come to me? I just bought this house. Pray that God will give me the. I just bought, you know, two new family cars. Pray that God will just, you know, provide. Pray before you make major decisions. Amen? I resolve daily to to pray before. I resolve to surround myself with wise and moral influencers. Young people, key. You are who you hang out with. If you hang out with knuckleheads, even if you're the smartest one, you will just be the king of the knuckleheads. You will still be a knucklehead. You understand? So resolve to surround yourself with wise and moral influencers. If your best friend is a pothead, he should not have that influence on your life. That's a whole nother message, I know. I resolve to, this is for those in ministry, I resolve to, which should be all of you, I resolve to protect my family time while working in ministry. I resolve to make my personal health a priority. I resolve to allow trials and turmoil to draw me closer to God and to shape my character for good. I resolve to love the hard to love. Oh, that's hard. Anybody? 
<laughs> no, you guys are better Christians than me. Amen. I resolve to love the heart to love. I resolve to extend grace liberally and never hold the grudge. I resolve to at least to allow at least a few people access to know and speak into the deepest and most private parts of my life. A few people. That's key. Don't let any, everybody speak into your life. That's, that's key. Amen. That's a whole nother message. Take that. Write it down. When you have too many people speaking into your lives, it, and, and then put that together with the other one, and the people that you're surrounding yourself are not, are not why you, you get the picture. Amen. Listen, these are life-changing resolutions. I've been wanting to read that book, Battlefield of the Mind, because I know it all begins in the mind. I believe that, right? And so, you know, I, haven't, I don't find much time to read anything extra nowadays because of my day job and the pastor job. And so this year I started doing audio books. And so I started listening to books on my iPhone while I'm on the train and on the bus. Even then, I don't like to waste time. There's an option on the iPhone that lets you listen to it in 2x. So, so I, you know, if the book takes 20 hours, I do it in 10. It's awesome, but, but you hear it like this. I've been waiting to read the book, Battlefield of the Mind. I don't find much time to read anything extra nowadays, but my day job, when my pastor dropped, so this past year I started. And it's awesome because you really got to focus. So, you know, so I'm listening to a book in, in, in two times speed, but, but I get more done, right? And, and it really makes me focus because otherwise it's like, you know, Arizona. And I start listening to the conversation of the people next to me on the train. And I start looking at the people over here, start listening to their conversation, you know. But if it's moving quick, it helps. But that's just me, you know. So anyway, one thing that stayed with me, I finally finished it this week. And one thing that stayed with me, and it came up at like the end of the book. I said I had to listen to 10 hours to get to this. To change the way you are, you have to change the way you think. That's not revelationary for you? That was revolutionary for me. To change the way you think you, you are, you have to change the way you think. You have to think differently. Now, understand something. Uh, this isn't some, some, you know, think better preaching. Please, you know, let me excuse this for a moment. After preaching nothing but through the Bible year, the whole year, I'm not going to start New Year's with some New Age nonsense. This isn't more, uh, you know, you just wake up and say to yourself, I'm happy, I'm rich, I'm pretty, I'm handsome, I'm gifted, I'm prosperous, I'm, I'm favored. That's, that's all about self-confidence. That's all about self-reliance. You know, when, when you're always speaking that over to yourself, that's about self-esteem. Now, honestly, that alone might actually turn some things around in your life. Because some of you have no, no esteem. Some of you have no self-confidence. And so, so that might turn some things around in your life. But in the long term, self-esteem is all about esteeming self. And that's just Satan's seed in a different dress. See, the devil will be happy to help you get your self-confidence on. Because with it, he can th- trick you into thinking, that's all you need. As long as I believe in myself. 
as long as I, you know, I esteem myself, as long as I get some money, as long as I, and then I start believing more in myself, and then when I get some money and I get some stuff, I'm going to get the girl, I'm going to get the guy, and, 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 you know, it's all about me, and you learn to esteem yourself. But in the end, you get the woman, you get the man, you get the money, you, you talk yourself into thinking you're the hottest thing since the iPod, and, and still, you won't be fulfilled. Ask anybody that's, that's been there. Ask anybody that's been there. Just look at the newspaper. Look at the people with multi-million dollars unsatisfied. How does, how does somebody, this always drove me crazy, how does somebody that's a multi-millionaire like get addicted to crack now? Like a ghetto drug from the street. Like You have all the money in the world, but, but you see, it's because it doesn't satisfy. Because all that stuff doesn't satisfy. Why? Ask why. I, I love when you ask questions. Because whether you believe it or not, I love that about the word. You know that whether you believe it or not, the word is the word? I love that. People, people have, have this argument with me. Well, I don't believe. I don't care if you believe it. Whether you believe it or not, it is. I don't have to believe in gravity, but if I walk off of this thing... It's going to pull me down, right? I don't have to believe in it. I can say, I can give you arguments against gravity. I can tell you, I don't, I, personally, in my heart, I don't believe in gravity. But as soon as I walk off of this thing, gravity's going to give me a reality check when my, my head hits the, hits the concrete, right? Because whether you believe, the word of God, whether you believe it or not, it is true. So I love that. So listen, why? You ask why? Let me answer. Because whether you believe it or not, you and I were created in the image of God. We bear the mark of his workmanship. We were created to esteem God. We were created to serve God, to love and be loved by God. We were created to worship God, to have communion with God, and in that to have communion with one another. See, self-worth would only get us part way unless it's grounded in Christ. Uh, a good self-esteem will, will, will help you to think, man, I deserve better than this abusive relationship I'm in. But a, a God-worth will keep you from being with that fool in the first place. Come on, somebody needed to hear that. You have to change the way you think. But how do we start? Great question again, church. I love you. Step one. Knowing and accepting God and who you are in Him. See, a big problem with our society today, you could agree with me or not, is that the systems of this world tell us that we came from monkeys. The systems of this world tell us that, that we're evolved animals. Higher education, the, the world tells our kids, the world tells our kids from the first year in school that they came from animals and then spends the rest of the, their lifetime in school correcting them for acting like animals. We, we teach, we teach them from the early years that we're just the result of a big bang, a cosmic explosion. So in other words, we're just accidents. So the world will teach us that we're just animals or accidents. Take your pick, whatever science you like. Which frees us up to kind of live any way we want to live because there's no purpose for us anyway because we don't matter. 
Because honestly, if you're an accident, who cares what you do? And if you're an animal, who cares? It's expected for you to jump on everybody else's leg when you're in heat. Who cares? There's no purpose for you. Family, this, this thinking has infected the church because of our need to be validated by the world. Because of our need to 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 want to fit in, because of our need to to want to be just like everybody else, you know, our our young people want to sag their pants just like everybody. Why? Why? Why do we want to and and we want to drive the cars that they have and we want to and we want to do all of this? Why? Because we want to fit in, we want to be just like you know everybody here. But 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 family, listen, receive this today, please. You are not an accident. No matter what your Puerto Rican mommy told you. <laughs> and you're not an animal. No matter what higher education has taught you. And so that's why the word tells us, do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, Romans 12. What does that mean? That means stop acting like an animal and an accident. You're my workmanship, says the Lord. You're my specific design and I'm your designer, says God. See, accepting who we are and accepting who we were created to be allows us to think differently. When you follow after God, receive this. Close your eyes for a moment. When you follow after God, you are loved, 1 John 3, 3. You are accepted, Ephesians 1, 6. You are a child of God, John 1, 12. You are an heir with Jesus, sharing his inheritance, Romans 8, 17. You are a temple of God. His spirit and his life live in you, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. You are the church. You are a member of Christ's body, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. You are redeemed and forgiven, Colossians 1, 14. You are complete in Christ, Colossians 2.10. No one else can complete you. You are complete in Christ. Stop looking for someone to complete you. They will only complicate you. You are free from condemnation, Romans 8.1. Those of you that had that background, you grew up in church beating you up and church stepping on you and telling you how bad and how sinful and how dirty and how, how foul you are and how you'll never amount to anything. Listen, the Word says you're free from condemnation, Romans 8.1. You're a new creation in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17. You're scared? Well, you don't have a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1, 7. It's for my Hispanics. You have direct access to God, Ephesians 2.18. That means you don't have to go through a saint, through a brother, through his mother. You have direct access to God. You were chosen to bear fruit, John 15.16. You're chosen to bear fruit. That means something should be coming out of your walk with God. Man, this church would triple if something would come out of all of our lives and our walk with God. Because you were chosen to bear fruit. But we have a mentality that we're chosen to eat fruit. 
And we, we're takers and we just want to eat and eat and eat. I come here for me. I come here to get more. I come here for me, more for me. And we, we, but you were, you were chosen to bear fruit. Hebrews 13.5 says you can always know the presence of God because he never leaves you. Philippians 2.13 says God works in you to help you do the things that he wants you to do. Isn't that awesome? God wants us to do things. God created us to do good works, Ephesians says. But the word says he's going to help us do those things. That's so different from, from like maybe the, the father that some of you had. That would tell you, you better get, and you gotta, and you, but he don't help you to do it. Right? We have to think different. When we think different, we walk different. <clears throat> Church, this year, stop beating yourselves up thinking you're not worthy. Stop selling yourselves short thinking you don't deserve anything better. Did you hear what I just read about you? That's about you. Some of you don't get it yet because the look on your face is still the same look. Church, this year I want us to grow as a body. Not just, not just in numbers. I want us to grow in maturity. I want us to grow in service. I want us to be known not as the sanctuary fellowship, but as the body of Christ. As His hands and His feet to the hands and feet of God to a hurting people. Church, I want this year, I want this church to be a safe place. So let me say this. Those of you that gossip and backbite, those of you that bring division, this year I want you to grow or I want you to go. Amen? We don't have time for that no more. I want us to be encouragers. It's time for those of you that have been encouraged. And listen, I don't care if you've been here three weeks or you've been here three years. It's time for those of you, if you've been encouraged, it's time to turn around and flip that and be encouragers. One of the most frustrating things in church is Christians that always have this entitlement mentality. You owe me. You, you gotta give me. I came here to get. I didn't come here to, but no, shut up. I, I need to, I came here to get my worship on. I came, listen, think differently this year. Think differently. It'll, it'll change. I came here to be encouraged. Think differently. Come here to encourage someone. I came here for me. Think differently. Come here for someone else. I, I, here's a good one. I don't have to give anything. Somebody else should pay this thing for me. Do you know that I found too many Christians still suffer from a ghetto mentality? We are children of the king. We're royalty acting like beggars. That's why, listen, you'll never hear us, anybody up here, come up and, and do a 20-minute uh, uh, call for money for the tithing. You'll never hear anybody come up here and do a song and a dance for 20 minutes before we take an offering. Or, or somebody come up here and tell you, you know, 16 sad stories so that you can be moved and we can manipulate your emotions so that when the bad comes, you give more money. Listen, you give money, you want to be obedient, you want to serve God, you want to do what he says, do it. If you don't keep it, God doesn't need your money. Amen? And, and you know what's awesome? God delivered me from having to worry that I have to please you so that you can pay for this. 
Because he's shown me whether there's 30 or 300, he'll take care of it. He'll take care of it. Listen, a lot of us, we, you know, we've had it hard growing up. We've had some rough lives. You know, we, we've gone through some stuff and we might not have had, had, had much. And, you know, we want to give our kids everything. And so we beg, borrow, and steal anything that we can to get our hands on. But that's not a kingdom mentality. We have to think differently. Do you know that God won't release any more until you're faithful with what he's given you? <laughs> we can come every Wednesday and pray to break debt. But, but if you haven't been faithful with what he's given you, you're still walking and you're still going to walk, hold on to the same 99 cursed dollars. Because you didn't want to give that, that 10%. You didn't want to. Um, listen, and, and don't worry, I'm not taking an offering. Relax. Loosen up. Everybody got tight. You got all the jeans and nobody getting my wallet. Where the usher? He's going to try to get my wallet. Relax. Keep the curse money. <laughs> I, I want blessed money. I want, I want blessed stuff happening in my life. Man, I, I want to be, listen, I want cheerful givers, the word says. Amen? If you're a user, and that doesn't mean a drug user, but it applies to the same concept. If all you do is take, 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 and you use people, and you use connections with people, and you use anything you can get from people, that's not a kingdom mentality. In the kingdom of God, you're giving more than you expect back. Church, we got to get rid of that ghetto handout mentality. Let me give you a revelation. You don't need lotto. Oh, I'm angry in people now. Don't take my $35 addiction from me. What happened to a dollar in a dream is all it takes. Why are some of you dropping $35 a week? I see it. I, I watch people at the gas station. Give me and, and like $40 on lotto. I said, brother, if you kept that every week or every month, you know how much money you'd pay your debt? Dummy. That's a ghetto mentality. The truth is, you're not ready for lotto anyway. Because even if you got it, with your ghetto mindset on that money, you won't know how to act. We have to learn to think differently with God's purposes in mind. You know why I come here? Can I be honest with you? I resolve weekly that I come here for you. I study for you. I, I, I serve for you. I endure for you. I persevere for you. Why? Why? Because that's what God created me to be. That's who God called me to be. And guess what? It has nothing to do with being your pastor. We all have that call. I don't do this for the money. I took a full-time job last year because I needed to get my finances straight. And I didn't want to be a bigger burden on the church. I wanted to help the church more and not drain the finances. Listen, the area of finances is another area we're going to work on this year. Not our finances, but yours. Because the Word says we should be lenders and not borrowers. And, and we, we've, we've ignored that. All we want to do is take, take, take. Because we want to keep up. Listen, this year I want to be able to bless more people financially than I did last year. 
I don't want more. I want to give more. And the beautiful thing about that is God will see my heart and he says he'll know that if for me to give more, I got to get more. So it's a matter of the heart. And God will see that. Not, it's not anything to do with me or it, God will see that I want to give more. And God says, man, I love, I love when he gives like that. Bop, let me fill this tank again. Oh, oh, look at him giving again. I love that. Bam, let me bump it up. God, that's a lot. That's a lot more than I gave. It's all right. Keep giving. It, it's a mindset. God says, when you're faithful with the little, I bless you with much. If you look at that parable, he took, he took from the stingy and he gave to the one that had everything already. Oh man, y'all don't get this. I hear people pray all the time, God, give me 20 million dollars, give me that 20 million and I'll bless the church. You're a liar. <laughs> you think God don't see that? <laughs> you think you fooled them? Like, oh really? Okay. Here's the lotto numbers for this month because no, listen, if you didn't give $2 when you got 200 if you didn't give 200 when you got 2000 when you get $2 million, you will bounce. You'll be so out of here. You'll, be come back, you'll come back seven months later when you're broke. <laughs> when you don't got two nickels to rub together, you'll come back here to get the free coffee that somebody's making in the back. You can pray that all day, but there are principles that God follows. We have to think differently. Amen? Paul gives us another step to help us in this walk in Philippians 4.8. He says this, listen, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honorable, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, Think on these things. The things which you both learned and received and heard and saw in us, these things do. And the God of peace will be with you. You you want the God of peace to be with you? (laughs) The Word is telling you how to do that. So listen, let me close. In order for us to start the year off strong, I want to ask, I'm asking the church to fast. I'm asking you to fast with us for the next 10 days, starting today after the lunch. And so today, most of us are going to leave this place. We're going to go out. We're going to get ourselves some lunch, and we're going to eat until we're satisfied. And then after that lunch, some of you will decide to enter this fast, and some of you will decide to make excuses. Some of you already have your prefabricated excuses. You're ready. You're ready. You got a, you got a book of excuses for me. You Googled excuses not to fast. And, and you came with the 23 pages on your, on your. What does fasting mean? Fasting literally means to cover the mouth. So fasting is about sacrificially going without what you're used to eating. So fasting, to make it simple, is demonstrating a commitment to something by denying your own physical desires. Get this. So, see, the one thing that will clearly demonstrate to you your level of commitment is, you know, it will definitely demonstrate to you who you are and where you stand is what you're willing to give up or go without. That's why money is such a tender, such a soft topic. 
you know, it's like a sore heart. I don't want to talk about it. Because it definitely shows your level of commitment, what you're willing to give or what you're willing to go without. Understand, let me just say this right off the bat. If you're medically unable to do this, please don't. God will not be angry with you. Also, I've, I've spoken to a couple of you. You've, you've come to me not with excuses, so let me, let me, you know, there's some of you that because of your jobs, because of what you do, there's certain things that you cannot, you know, do because it would be unsafe for you, and that's okay. I'm here to tell you, listen, we're not gonna get legalistic about this fast. God's not up there, he, he got the, the scoreboard, he got the chart, and he's waiting, uh, oh, this moron ate a piece of, you know, chicken. I mean, he's not, he's not looking to count, and, and what he's looking for is some, some hearts that are surrendered to him. So, so if you're new, this is the first time you're fasting, you know, make a change in your life. Do something about it, and that's good. Let, let yourself feel, what, what I'm saying with the fast, let yourself feel something. Let yourself feel like you're, you know, that, that, that missing, like, a, you know, this thing that I'm always having, I'm not. This is not for you that have been in church 15 years. You guys know how to fast, you should fast. Amen? I'm not making excuses for those of you that have been here 26 years. So, we as a body, we're going to press in and we're going to corporately fast. And we're not doing a total fast. A total fast would mean no food. We're going to do typically what's known as a Daniel fast. By now, you guys have Googled, you've looked up, you have a million recipes, you know how to make steak and potatoes without meat, you, you know how to do spaghetti and meatballs without, you know, meatballs, you've learned, but let me say something about that too, can I? If, if we're fasting, and we're saying, you know, we're gonna fast, we're gonna do without, and if you're eating, sitting for dinner and you're eating six baked potatoes and grilled vegetables and brown rice and, and whole wheat pasta, all things that were allowable on the fast. Are you really fasting? Come on, who are you kidding? Right? If you walk away from dinner and lunch and breakfast feeling like, oh God, <laughs> whoo. <laughs> Put it this way, if you gain weight on the fast, <laughs> you did it fast. You're kidding yourself. The fast should hurt a little. Amen? It should, it should be a sacrifice a little. Okay? There's a lot of things you can eat, but just because you can eat them, don't, defeat the fast. When you fast, you gotta feel it. The Daniel fast teaches us to deny ourselves and, and instead to put our spirit in control over our flesh. So as you plan your meals and you eat your food, keep in mind that the definition of a fast is to deny food for a spiritual purpose. Worship team, come on. See, sometimes we have to change things up in order to start things differently. Amen? Anybody ready? Are you ready to do something drastic? Are you ready to really, to, to really commit yourselves to something? Pastor Gary, come on. Listen, the focus of our fast this year is simply this. We could have said, let's focus on buying the building. Let's, let's fast that God will release this. No, I, I, we don't care about that. The focus of our fast this year is the family. When we experience discomfort or hunger or pains from, from caffeine withdrawal, which you will. 
Allow it to focus us in prayer. Allow it. Listen, one thing that messes with me every year with the fast is, is sometimes I get a headache and, and I'll be like, oh man, and because I'm going without. And then, and then it hits me every time. I say, right before I'm about to complain, I say, you know, some people have this every day and it's not by voluntary. Some people don't have what I have. I'm complaining because for 10 days I'm going to go without what some people have never had. There's, there's, there's people right here that, that, you know, right in our community, right in our neighborhoods that have to send the kids to bed early because there is no food to give them. So, so let it, let the fast kind of bring you to that kind of prayer. Let it bring you to that kind of place where, where God, what is 10 days of my life? What is that? Let it, let it focus us in prayer. Amen. So our focus this year is going to be Family, your family, my family, this family. Pray, pray that we would grow closer this year. Pray that if we could meet more needs this year. Pray that we can take in more families and love on them this year. Pray that even that those that have no family would feel the love of this family and understand that they belong. Pray that you could be more connected here, that you can make more connections to others here. See, church, for, for it to be a great fast, there has to be a hunger in your belly, but that hunger has to go from your belly to your spirit. And it has to make you hungry for the things of God. And it, and it should make you hungry to, to, to have an increased desire, to have an increased passion for God, to have a renewed purpose for God. I'm going to ask the archers who are passing out the elements of communion. Say, we're going to start the fast with a meal. Because this fast is about a covenant between you and God. So you can go ahead, just begin to pass out the elements. This fast, it's about between you and God. You're saying, God, I'm getting serious. Because let me tell you something about New Year's. There's no difference in your life between yesterday and today. Between 2011 and 2012, God doesn't say, oh, it's a new year and automatically something changes. This fast is about you saying, God, I'm coming to you now. I'm serious. I'm ready for change. Because you know what God showed me is going to happen through this fast? Is that old patterns, old cycles in your life are going to be broken. You see, there's many of you, you're living in lack. There's, you're living in a place where there's never enough. I'm believing God that that's being broken in this year. Some of you, there's cycles of failure, cycles of defeat, cycles of abuse. Just the same old thing. Nothing changes. The next year comes. You get all excited and it happens again. I'm believing God that this is the year of breakthrough. And that's why we're fasting. We're saying, God, if i got to deny myself, I'm going to show you. 
I'm making room for you, God. I'm pushing the plate aside. And I'm saying, God, I invite you to come in, into my home, into my family. How many of you, you're ready for change? You're ready for breakthrough? If that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand right now. You're saying, God and my family... We're going to lack nothing in this year. Pastor George mentioned that poverty mentality. Some of you, you, you've opened the door to the spirit of poverty and there's never enough. I, I believe as we begin to fast, as we begin to seek God, that that's broken. I'm tired of the same old, same old in my life. I'm tired of year after year I start to get excited and then it goes back to the same old stuff. I'm making a new resolve in this new year. Something's going to break. Something's going to change. How many of you are with me in your life, in your family, in this year? We're breaking through. We're going through the door. Well, we're going to covenant right now with God. So I'm going to ask you to take that bread. Jesus already paid the price for your healing. Whatever it is you're waiting for. Some of you, God's promised you a a husband or a wife. Don't give up. Well, let's contend for it in this year. For some of you, it's full-time ministry. Whatever it is you're believing for, it's not just going to happen. It's going to take a commitment on your part to say, God, between me and you, in this year, I'm coming after you. I'm, I'm pursuing you, and I'm going to show you I'm serious. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to eat that chicken, that pork chop, and you're worth it, God. So I'm going to ask you right now, take this bread as a covenant between you and God. In Jesus' name. And if you can take the cup, it symbolizes the blood of Jesus. There's victory in the blood. There's power in the blood. There's healing in the blood. Whatever you need, whatever breakthrough you need, whatever cycle you've been going through, one broken relationship after another, that's going to stop. And it's by the blood of Jesus. If if there's problems in your marriage, we're going to break that right now. The enemy is defeated, and he's defeated by the blood of Jesus So just drink that cup right now. And I decree right now that the enemy is defeated in your life. Right now, in your marriage, among your children. In Jesus' name. 